My name is Kristen La Liberté. I worked in academic research laboratory for 25 years at McGill University and the Hospital for Sick Children in the field of neuroscience. I had the privilege to train thousands of students from all over the world, met smart people, and connected with individuals who are passionate about the brain. In 2015, my brain sustained a traumatic brain injury, leaving me with cognitive impairment. And as a result, I was no longer capable to work in neuroscience. My curiosity has not slowed down despite my disability and this is why I'm excited to converse with smart people and to discover more about their passion. We will not talk about the brain in this show, but about dog fancier. These incredible women will be invited on this show to share their story with us. Hi everyone. This weekend is a very special weekend, May 15, 16, 2021, is the biggest event in lore coursing under the American Sighthound Field Association. So the 43rd ASFA International Invitation is hosted by the Hiowa Coursing Association. Due to COVID-19, our Canadian team are not able to participate this year. But I would like to take this opportunity to say hello to our friends and we really miss you. However, we thought it would be a very appropriate time to have as a guest, Mrs. Lori Colson. Mrs. Colson has been the records coordinator for ASFA for years. So I welcome you to our conversation we had in April. I guess I don't want to say a summer home because we come down here year round. It's just very peaceful down here. Oh, lovely. Can you see the ocean? No, but uh, the back bay, if I walk down the street, we have a boat that gets put in next month, the beginning of May. Um, and uh, it'll be right down, literally down around the corner, parked. And then we just go back out in the backwater to the bay. So anyhow, all right, I was born and raised in York, Pennsylvania. Um, I graduated from LPN, or Licensed Practical Nursing School, in 1975. And May of 2020, I retired after 42 years at the local hospital um, in a variety of positions. I've worked pretty much everywhere. Um, instead, we have a home back in York, and we also have a place down in Delaware. It's right outside of what they call Rehoboth, which is one of the more scenic beaches that people go to visit. Uh, we come down here year round. Summertime, we have a boat in. 
we go out, put crab pots out. We go out mm. and fish. Um, we don't really catch anything, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's fun sometimes just to sit out there and just, it's very relaxing. It's peaceful. And hey, you're really socially distancing out there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, so I see that you retired in May 2020. So that was mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Well, it was two uh, months after. It started in May of 2020 year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how so, did you feel about that? Or that really helped to make decision? Or now you're not working? You see all well, your work? No, I'm a heart patient. I'm a cardiac patient. I have uh, heart failure. I have a pacemaker. Mm. Um, so I'm a very high risk for the um being exposed i'm a higher risk than someone with a nor a healthy heart um so my actually one of my cardiologists told me that i if it got when it got bad because at that Mm. point in the beginning of march it wasn't that bad um i needed to get out Mm, that you know was not safe for me to be in the hospital because i deal with patients um or i did so i had already set forth the the plan to retire so i just stuck to it and in May 15th of 2020 I said goodbye to all my co-workers and I just recently got to see them about two months ago when I t- had to take a friend in for a procedure because they had at that point opened the visitation minutely but I can't just go visit them whenever I want which is what I would really like to be able to do but it isn't so um, we stay in touch via texting phone calls emails you know whatever um because that's the only I, I really miss my friends my co-workers yeah so. I I have a feeling that the nurse uh is is a it's a very tight group like my sister is a nurse and the way she talked about her co-workers is a very um tight relationship with her co-workers yeah it's a family it's it's a family you learn you have to learn to truly trust each other's judgment and have each other's back, Mm. Um, you know, and support them and, you know, in times that, you know, sadness or goodness, you know, whichever it would be. Um, My last 15 years, I actually worked in the radiology department. So I worked with anywhere from interventional radiology doctors um, to uh, just regular radiology doctors to the techs, the CAT scan people, MRI, you name it. Mm. I worked, you know, so, and we did obviously a lot with the emergency room because people coming in almost all the time for in the emergency room need to have some type of a a study done, a chest X-ray or, you know, something. So you interact with a lot of people. Lori is sharing with us the reason why she started working for the American Sighthound Field Association 20 years ago. Um, I actually was going through a divorce and uh, wanted to keep my home so that my dogs and I didn't have to, you know, look for somewhere I could take dogs. Uh, and rather than put in 60 hours a week at the hospital, I, uh, Camille Mendocino had the job before me 
and she was actually a friend and a coworker. And so she let me know that she, you know, she was retiring and I applied for the job and I went through the interview process. And in the beginning, their intent was to find someone who didn't have a, a full-time job outside so that they could commit more time to it. Mm. Um, but I proved to them that, let me, let me try it. I, let me show you I can do it. Um, and I showed them not only could I do it, but I could make improvements to doing it. And over these 20 years, I have worked with uh, five different programmers and a lot of people that have computer backgrounds mm. um, through the organization that have been able to sometimes look at the program and fix some little hiccup that I've discovered. Uh, the current program was actually built by um, a Canadian Afghan owner. And I should have looked up his last name. His first name is Bob, and I can see him right in front of I never met the man. We just talked on the phone many, hmm. many times. I'll get the name and get it to you. Oh, I yeah. Just, I can't. I just can't think of it right now. Um, and towards the end, um, when he had it fairly well, you know, completed, he started having some health issues. He was a smoker. Mm. And um, I told him he needed to have, you know, a CAT scan or an MRI done. And he said he was waiting for approval to get it. And I'm like, yeah, I said, drive down to Pennsylvania. I'll get you one the next day. You know, <laughs> yes. Come down here. Yeah, not in Canada. Maybe a year you will get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, by the time they finally did the testing, the, he had lung cancer and it was mm. already everywhere. Mm. So I lost him. And, and he by far was, I mean, we had a great working relationship. He listened to me. He watched what I did in the computer. He would log into it and he'd say, now just start working. And then he would come up ways to make it easier mm. and the, the whole situation smoother. So um, I, I miss him a lot. He, like, I, like I said, I never met him. I saw a picture of him then at his memorial. Um, and I talked with his wife after, you know, after he died. But Anyhow, I've worked with a lot of different people. And the one big thing I've learned with people who build these programs, they all have their own little marks that they make in how they do it. So mm. it doesn't make it easy for the next person <laughs> to no. look at it. I'm like, so, and I really, truly don't understand a lot of the back, you know, of building the program. You know, so sometimes they talk to me and I'll be like, yeah, whatever. You mm. know, I, you t I know how to hit the keys and make it do what it's supposed to do. How it goes, you know, the, all that set up and programmed, no idea. And don't oh, want to learn. I am smiling right now because <laughs> uh, as part of my job at the Sickett Hospital was to enter database. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I have, you know, hundreds, hundreds of uh information to add and I will work with computer scientists who would try to make my life easier mm -hmm. and like you I was showing okay I need to do this and this and then they will go on on the algorithm and I'm like 
I don't need to know that. Nope. <laughs> I just want this to work. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I always tell them, and I'm hoping they're, you know, make it with keystrokes that you can use commands with keystrokes to get around the screen and, and put information in. So you're not having to type everything. So if yeah, you can set up yeah. the commands, it just makes life a lot easier to, um, to jump around. And that's what I'm used to doing. Um, oh, so, but that's that's wonderful that you were able to build these relationship and team uh, to join the dry lab, you know, the computer and the sports and your. It's amazing how you've done that. It's thank you. The community should be really happy that you're you put so much effort to improve that. It's um, we're we're all in this together. You know, it's an enjoyable sport. Um, I currently don't have a dog right now, but there'll be one coming back. So, you know, if I go out to the field trials, I just go to visit, you know, and hang out with people for a while. That hasn't happened a lot in the last year. But... No. In the last section, Lori talks about a computer programmer. His name is Bob Garrett. He was the rescue coordinator in the Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I looked up this information and it was published in the Afghan Action in December 2004. I was curious about how Lori would save all these data before the cloud exists. See what she has to say about that. Well, I would have, you know, I probably even have, still have the, the <laughs> di- well, I know I have the disk at home. Everything was saved on, <laughs> on disks and, you know, you didn't have, um, my first laptop uh, we bought off of a friend, another dog coursing person, her husband's, uh, and it actually was like a suitcase, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, <laughs> and it was just, it was hysterical to use when you look at what we have today and what they can do. It, it <laughs> just was amazing. Um, but the, yeah, as things progress, like I said, the one thing I've learned is that they are all different. Every programmer you work with, and you just have to kind of be open to it and say, Okay, look, I don't care what's going on behind the screen, but on the screen, it needs to be doing this. <laughs> you know, it just. So, so, but now everything is, all the data is saved on the cloud. Yep. Uh, as you said, when you're traveling, you have your laptop, you can save everything on the cloud. But back in the 70s, um, how pe- people you were making copies on disk and oh yeah I have oh. I have tons of CDs with oh, Asper wow. records on um you know that to back things some of the stuff up uh that was and even up until I'm trying to think it was about four years ago I think my computer died I mean mm. the hard drive crashed um, and that's when I found out about clouds and saving things because I lost data and I had to sit and pull those trials and re-enter everything. 
And so, you know, it, it was a, it was a very hard lesson to be learned. Now Mm. it's it's never going to happen to me again. I know. (laughs) Um, You know, and when I went to get my hard drive checked to see if they could pull the information off, um, which I did, was able to get the majority of it off of the hard drive. But the first guy I looked at it and he's like, you know, well, haven't you ever heard of carbonite? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, you just sign up for it. And every time you make any change whatsoever, it automatically saves it. You don't have to do anything. And I'm like, I'm on it. When I get out of here, I will have carbonite. I want to provide a short description of the source of these data that Lori has to deal with. When a dog is entered to a lower coursing trial, she or he will be judged on their performance. At the end of the trial, the field trial secretary has to send all these score to the data manager, which is Lori. Then she will add it to the database. This way we can follow the progress of the dogs towards the championship. Lori told me that there will be big changes on how the field trial secretary will have to handle the paperwork to her. Yeah, so the owner also has responsibility to make sure uh, the record is correct. And Yeah, we're a team. And with the, the changes to how trials are submitted, which just began January 1 of this year, I do not get entries for every dog that's entered. So field trial secretary is only required to submit entries that are marked as a first time entry or marked that there's change to their information um, and that um, I need to make changes in mine. Uh, So they're not sending everything in and all I'm getting is the record sheet in the majority of the record sheets, you have a call name and you have a registration number. And that's all the information I'm getting now. So if I put that registration number in um, and it doesn't come up as, you know, the dog that's listed, I it really becomes a problem now for me to be able to search. Because before that, I could say, okay, I'm just going to search by the registered name. But see, I don't have that anymore. Um, and there, it's good for the field trial secretaries, um, and it's working for me. I have made it, uh, there's a form now that the field trial secretary needs to complete, and I've required the field, the field trial secretary's email to be required so that I can reply back and say, hey, you know, on Saturday there was a, a dog listed on the Afghan page by the name of this and registration number, and I'm not finding it. I need more information. Can you send me the entry? You know, what can you do to help me? So Um, what was the reason of ASFA to change that procedure that you are now just received the first time entry and have less paperwork? So what was the rational (laughs) behind that? Field trial secretaries don't like having to 
put all of that information together um, and submit it. Uh, it, it ASPA requires it to be postmarked within 10 days and received within 14 days. Now, I have kind of given up on the 14 days uh, since COVID. I don't know about up, up in Canada, but our mail, there's no guarantee that you're going to get it in a timely fashion. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, it's gotten mm-hmm. much better than it had for a while, you know, when everything was shut down. Um, but it's still, and that's not the field trial secretary's fault. I mean, they don't, you don't have any control over that. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's postmarked within the 10 days. Um, but it's a lot of paperwork for the field trial secretaries that they're required to put, to, were previously required to put together. So this all came as a decision by the FANCY. Uh, oh, during discussion okay. at the ACOD in 2019. So that's oh, okay. where it came from. So um, we'll work out the bugs and um, things will improve. There are some clubs that use a program that uh, was developed by an ASPA person that's been in courts and for many years. Um, and his program stores a database and it actually includes the information, uh, like registered name and that on his. It's all computer generated. Oh, okay. so, is it uh, is it Mr. Kamenik? Uh, yeah, Eddie. Oh, oh. Our guest Lori was saying that doesn't matter which jobs you have. The key thing is working with people. I think when you're dealing with people in general, mm. you know, you got your people that come out and say, Hey, I need help or I need information. And they do it. Or you get that person that comes at you like, you know, like you did something wrong and now you need to fix And you know, instead of just, so I've learned to not take anything personally, mm, you know, okay. you got to just roll with it. Um, responding back in anger is just not worth it. You know? Mm. So Try to work on the the side of saying, okay, you know, what what mistake is it? And, and let's look at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. And I really encourage people with ASPA, if you have a question, your hound record, your um, the trial results, anything like that, please, you know, reach out to me. Um, I am human and I, I have made mistakes already, although I try very hard. When you're working in nursing, they tell you to, you always check things three times. Mm, so you yes, don't, yes. don't just take it the first time and assume that it's correct because you okay. get in trouble with that. So check it the second time, and then it's always good to look at the third. And even hmm. with all of that, and even though this lovely program is supposed to like point fingers when something's not right, it doesn't always. And sometimes there's a little demon in there who will like kick out judges um, so that it, it messes up trial reports. Try mm. to catch all those things. But again, like I said, I'm human. So I encourage people when you walk up and look at the records posted at the field trial, make sure your dog information is correct. Um, when you go on, log onto the website, you know, check the, check the trial. And was your dog awarded the correct position? 
placement, you know, anything like that. Or, like I said, reach out to me. Every year, Lori writes a report that contains very interesting stats on the health of the lower coursing sports in North America. So Lori I... Sator has Afghan at first breed, so they were pretty popular back then. Um, yep, they actually back when I first started in Afghans, it would have been about 75, I think it was. I got my first one around 75 well actually we got two we got a brother and a sister um to start and um then we found out about the coursing and you know when you went to a field trial and and the same thing happened when i got into diabetes it was not uncommon to go to a field trial and have 12 to 20 afghans there you know you don't see a lot of that anymore and the same um i think you know, a lot of it, people worry too much about breeding to show mm. instead of breeding functionality. Okay. You know, that a dog that can function in the field net. So they become so show driven that, you know, they don't bring their dogs out for fear of probably of injury or something. But injuries don't happen a lot. You know, I mean, a yeah. toenail, mm-hmm. you know, they might break a nail or get a brush, you know, a cut or something, but it's serious injury, knock on wood, uh, very rarely happens in coursing. Um, If the dog is bred, you know, and fit to be coursing. Yeah, agree. But um, yeah, I mean, it'd be nothing to go to a field trial and like I said, you know, have 20 of that breed there. And now it's like, you know, how many times you go to a, a trial and there's one of this breed and one of that breed. And, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's, it's sad because, you know, they're out there. I mean, I, I look on Facebook mm. you know, and I see, you know, all these different dogs. Um, but I also know all these people um, that are, you know, have certain breeds, but, you know, they, they don't course for whatever their reason is. Hmm. And speaking from down here. When you go to the field trials, most of the people attending the field trials are people in their 40s and up. You know, the young, you know, when I first started coursing in the 70s, people showed up. I I mean, I can remember people going up to release their dogs with a baby on their back. And I'm not joking about it. You know, you're like, yeah, this is not really safe. But if people brought their children children were involved kid youth today i guess just don't there's not that many young people and that's what we need Mm. to do is to bring more young people in and show them like you know this is more fun than just sitting and playing a computer game yeah Um, you know being out with the dogs yeah sometimes it's not so much fun when it's cold and rainy and you're up to your knees in mud and (laughs) <laughs> and I, but at the same time you can make it fun i mean mm-hmm. you know it it's just part of it but yet there's not a lot of young people that are involved in it so people are getting older and then it becomes harder to take the you know pack up the dogs in the van and you know drive wherever and then you know the work of getting the dogs you know just it 
you know, it's just we need to get youth back involved. Coursing and having fun in comfortable clothing than dressed to, to go to a dog show and stand <laughs> in a ring. Yes, I mean, agree. Come on. <laughs> yes. Just not, you know, been there, yeah. done that, but um, being in the field is a, a lot more fun. During my conversation with my guest, I discovered that Lori and I really like numbers. I was very excited when I received the stats in my inbox. Then I asked my friend Zulinda Meyer, who is a data scientist, if she could generate some pretty graphs. The ASFA graphs will be added to the podcast link for anyone who is interested to look at them. Hey, data tells stories. And as Lori state, numbers tells the truth. They tell the truth. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, you know, they tell the truth. And it may not be what we want to hear, but, you know, like you said, and, and like I've said, the numbers are declining. What what do we need to do? What can we do? What's going to work to to make make it like it used to be? The camaraderie yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm like away from the computer, I'm, I'm always logged in. So I try really, really hard to, but there's no such thing as a dumb question. Okay. The only dumb question is the unasked one. Mm, so if okay. you're not certain for things, especially like if you think your dog is close to a title and you're going to a field trial, you know, send me a message. I will send you your hound record once a week if you want it. It doesn't bother me. It, okay. You know, it doesn't matter how many times you ask me. I'm not going to say as there's a limit. You can only have this one time. Oh, you're you know? nice. <laughs> you're yeah. very <laughs> Well, hopefully in the near future, you'll be able to log into the website and get it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So, you know, we're working towards things. Um, be hopeful. Um, but, you know, encourage your neighbor, your children, your neighbor's children, your grandchildren to come out and learn about coursing and so we can get some young people back. Yes, agree. You know, Lori, it was really, really nice to talk to you. Uh, I really appreciate the time that you had for our podcast. Uh, and I hope I'm going to see you in the next couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you come down through. Yeah. So, all right. It was nice talking with you, too. And um, like I said, any questions, give me a call. And I will send you these stats so that you can look through it if there's Anything you want to include, please, you know, it's there for using. It's no secrets. Looking through the data, there's one II in 2008. That is not a secret who've wanted. Here's a plug. That was my beloved, sweet, smiley, Uma. She is a greyhound bred in Canada by Laurie Sitar. 
La Quilani Alegria, and she was co-owned with Lucy Chauvet. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Houndy Lady Podcast. Here's your host, Christine Laliberté. Judges, are you ready? Operator, are you ready? Handlers, are you ready? And here with my Canadian French accent. Tally ho!